Welcome to this week's message. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Tim Ryan, an associate pastor here at Southland Church. For more information about this message and other resources, visit myselfland.com. Well, Happy New Year to you. How many of you actually stayed up till midnight last night? Okay, now have somebody beside you to keep you awake. You know, kind of, I got, I went to bed at quarter after 10 or something like that, because the last thing you want to do is fall asleep while you're preaching. <clears throat> that's come close to me once, over 20 years ago, I almost fell asleep during a sermon. That was the, that's a whole nother story. While I was preaching, it was terrible. The sermon was too, but anyways. Um, anyway, so I went to bed at quarter after 10 last night, and crazy neighbors, I don't know, I don't know if it's Chris Puhatch or who it was, was blowing off fireworks at midnight, disturbed a great sleep, so, but I fell back to sleep after, after a while, so it was really good. Excellent. All right, I've been looking forward to this message for a while. I've been working through, uh, in, in uh, uh, end of August, I started working through the minor prophets, reading through in my devotional time, and if, if you're a little bit kind of confused about the Old Testament, it's kind of broken up into a number of different areas, so you kind of understand that there's the five books of Moses, and then there's Joshua and Judges, some of the stories of how they pulled out of the, out of the promised land, or out of the Egypt into the promised land, and then there was a histories of the, the kings and the prophets, and then there's Ruth and Job tucked in there, and there's poetry books, and then there's what they call the, the major prophets, and then there's the minor prophets, not because they're bigger or smaller, but the length of the books. And so what I did is I took the last part of the Old Testament, which was the minor prophets, and took a week for each little book. I encourage you to do that. Don't just rush through it. Percolate on it. I love that word, percolate on it. I like coffee too, but percolate on it. So at the end of August, or very beginning of September, I was working through Jonah, that particular book, four chapters. Fascinating. I've been looking forward to, assuming I would get this particular Sunday or this particular day that I usually get, that I would be able to have the opportunity to speak on Jonah. And there's some really good things that the Holy Spirit talked to me about in my own life, and that's what I want to help us see in this story. It's a fascinating story. When you really get into it, and let your imagination go a little bit, okay? We have to do that with some of the stories because all we get is kind of the black and white of it. Let your imagination go a little bit, all right? You have a little bit of permission. I'm going to help you with that a little bit. But I want you to understand the key verse to this whole book. Before we get into it, the key verse is chapter 4, verse 2, where Jonah says, I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, and filled with unfailing love. That's who you are, God. So let's pray, and then we're going to get right into the book of Jonah. Father in heaven, thank you for this new year. God, thank you for how you have carried us, and God, as we're going to learn through, and I ask that you will help us as we go through this particular message in this book, that you are a gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and filled with unfailing love. God, we pray that you would speak to us and encourage us and help us have fun, <laughs> a little bit of Jonah's expense, but thank you for this story. And would you speak to us? We open up our hearts to you. We want to hear from you as to what you want to say to us about our lives and even going into this new year. We thank you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. All right, let's start in chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, how many of you brought your Bibles this morning? Oh, amazing, because I'm not going to put them up on the screen. I want you to kind of listen, read along, but allow your imagination to go. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Now, there's a lot of people that assume and believe that Jonah actually left and went in the opposite direction because of fear. That might have been a little bit of a factor, but we're going to see it later on in the message. There was intent in what Jonah was trying to do. So he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord, and he went down to the seacoast, to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Say that, Tarshish. Tarshish. That's a hard word to say. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping that by going away to the west, he could escape. (laughs) Escape from the Lord. But as the ship was sailing along, three-hour tour like Gilligan and the whole cast, some of you are old enough to catch that, Suddenly, the Lord flung a powerful wind. Lord flung a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to send them to the bottom. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods, small g, to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship, which would help the the ship. If you're not into the ship and nautical stuff, it kind of helps the ship sit up a little higher. That's why they got rid of the extra weight. All this time, believe it or not, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Unbelievable. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will have mercy on us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots, rolled dice, drew straws, whatever they would have done, to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. (laughs) When they did this, Jonah lost the toss or the roll of the dice or whatever it was. They looked at him. What have you done to bring this awful storm on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country do you come from? What's your nationality, they want to know. Like, what is going on? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea that we're right in the middle of, And the land. Then he told them that he was running away from the Lord. The sailors were terrified when they heard this. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. Can you imagine the groaning? Oh, why? Why? Have you ever groaned in your life? Why? Since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked, well, what should we do? Hoping that maybe there's a sacrifice, maybe there's some sort of dance they could do, whatever it was. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again, for I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. He knew it. He knew it. Instead, the sailors tried even harder to row the boat ashore, 
But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord. They figured it out. They cried out to the Lord. Jonah's God, O Lord, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death, because it isn't our fault. Now, I know, sometimes we say, it's not my fault when it is, but they knew in this story it was all Jonah's fault. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Interesting. They got it. You sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Like that. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Unbelievable. Can you imagine? Now the storm is still. And they're looking around, and they realize this is the God we want to follow. All of a sudden, they look over, and they go, oh, there's Jonah kind of still bobbing in the water. Hey, guys, I'm fine. Can you throw a life jacket out to me? I'm good to go. And all of a sudden, they hear the Jaws theme. (laughs) And they see this whale. Come, that's what it says. Now the Lord arranged, arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. Can you, like, let your imagination go a little. Can you imagine? (laughs) Just swallowed him up, went down into the depths. Can you, like, that would make me follow God if I saw that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, see, here's the problem with some of the stories in the Bible. We're too familiar with them. We we actually miss the powerfulness of it. So I want you to take your hands, and I want you to go like this. And and then you're thinking, that fish, who has a huge fish? And go, poof. Like, it's got to blow your mind. Now, I know some skeptics, oh, sure, there was a big fish. Oh, he was big. He was, oh, that couldn't have never happened. That's why we throw Jonah out. It's just a story. It's not real. Are you kidding me? It's God. If he could create the whole world, which I just read in Genesis 1 this morning in my personal quiet time, he can create a fish big enough to swallow a man. Can I get an amen? Amen. Right? He can do it. God arranged for this fish. Now, let's take a little bit and talk about troubles, because Jonah was in trouble, big T trouble. Jesus said, we know it very well. We, We know when he says, in this life we will have troubles. In this life we will have troubles. How many of you are in trouble right now? All of us, or most of us, can put up. We have troubles. Some troubles we actually bring upon ourselves, don't we? We try to blame God, but actually, if we'd be honest with ourselves, that some of the troubles that we're going through 
are our own fault, and we can't and should not ever blame anyone else. We brought it on ourselves. And we have to hum be humble enough to say, yeah, I did this one. I caused this one to happen. That's what Jonah did. He caused this to happen. But some troubles are sent to actually save us, to actually stop us in our tracks. Some biblical scholars and theologians believe that Jonah may have actually died while he was in the ocean, in that fish for three days, based on the words as you read in, in Jonah chapter 2, and we're not going to go through it. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, one day some of the teachers of the religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want, us, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove that you are from God. And then Jesus replied, only an evil, faithless generation would ask for a miraculous sign, but the only sign I will give them is a sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so he's verifying the story. He's proving that it was actually true. He's not saying there was a story about a man, hypothetically speaking. He said, no, this was Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so I, the Son of Man, will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will rise up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it because they repented. I'll get to that yet. They repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now someone greater than Jonah is here, and you refuse to repent. Wow. Jonah needed a wake-up call. And he needed it this time. Sometimes, the stuff that happens in our lives is a wake-up call. And I think most of us, if not all of us, would have those different moments. And we tend to forget about those, as we'll see Jonah in a little bit. He forgot. Let's not forget those wake-up moments. Let's not forget those times where God really wants to get our attention, when he really rattles our cage. Let's not forget that. Well, let's carry on. The end of chapter 2, so he's in this fish. The end of chapter 2, it says, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit up Jonah. Depending on the version, it says vomit. Eh, that's a little more gross. I think spitting is a little more fun. In the old Western movies, you may have seen, you know, ding, you know, how they chew the, take the chewing tobacco and spit it out. I, I prefer, I was thinking back to the time, of course, I never, ever did this, where, where you take apart your pen in school, you take out the filling, and you take a little bit of paper, from your notes that you're supposed to be taking, you stick it in your mouth, moisten it up a little bit, put it in there and shoot it at the girl in front of you or the <laughs> teacher or the blackboard or, you know, the good old spitwad. Confession time. How many of you have ever done that? <laughs> I can see all of you signing up for the next set free. All right. <laughs> 
Can you imagine? You know, ding, there out comes Noah. You're listening. That was, a, that was a good slip. Yeah, Jonah. Yeah, I don't see Noah anywhere in this book. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it reminds me of the, the, now that we're talking about Noah. My, my wife and I had gone to see the, the movie Noah, which I don't ever recommend. Way back when, when it was in the theaters, and there was an, a couple that we hadn't seen in a number of years that we went to Bible school with many years ago, and he stood up, he has a loud voice, loud enough for everyone to say after the movie was done, well, at least they spelt his name right and there was water. <laughs> oh, that, was, that, was, that was priceless. Priceless. Jonah chapter 4 verse 2 says, I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. That's who God is. He had mercy on Jonah. He had mercy on Jonah. Well, let's carry on. Chapter 3. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message of judgment I've given you. This time, the Lord obeyed, or Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. A city so large, it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will de be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh believed. Now, I, I know there's a lot of comedians that would have a little bit of fun with this. A lot of funny preachers, too. Can you imagine seeing a guy trudging into your city, coming down the main street of Steinbach or Grunthal or Kleefeld or Sardo or whatever, full of seaweed, really pale and sick looking, just looking awful, smelling. Can you imagine? Matt, a mad. Maybe you don't want to imagine. Imagine in the belly of a whale for three days, you're going to stink. And you're walking into a city telling everybody to repent. I think most people would actually listen. I'm thinking. Maybe. But anyways, the people of Nineveh believe God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they decide to go without food, and wear sackcloth and show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard that Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in sackcloth and sat on a heap of ashes. That's fascinating. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals, may eat or drink anything at all. Really? Okay, here's the double dog dare for you. Month of prayer and fasting this month in January. I dare you to fast and make your pets, your dogs, your cats, your canary, your fish, everything fast the same time you are. Really? No problem for the cat. No problem for the cat. Hey, I like cats. <laughs> like, real, like, I, I'm not saying you should, roll back, I'm not saying you should. I'm just thinking, like, even the animals were supposed to fast? 
animals would get very ornery, I'm thinking. If they, if they, and they were going to fast for a long time. They were really serious. Uh, that, like, really, we read past and we go, really, even the animals? No one, not even the animals, may eat or drink anything at all. Everyone is required to wear sackcloth and pray earnestly to God. Everyone must turn from their evil ways and stop all their, all their violence. And the king says, who can tell? Perhaps. Perhaps even yet God will have pity. Perhaps. They had no guarantee. There was no guarantee in Jonah's message that if you repent, God will not judge you. God will not follow through on the judgment. There was no guarantee. He's saying perhaps even yet God will have pity on us and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And when God saw that they had put a stop to all their evil ways, he had mercy on them and didn't carry out the destruction he had threatened. A whole city repented. Later on it says about 120,000 people are in this city. Incredible. Jonah simply passed on a message to the Ninevites, short and simple. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, a large city, and it was at that time protected by high inner walls and outer walls. Like you can imagine Jonah walking in to the city. And certainly there was some fear and trepidation walking in. There was, they were a nation that God would often use and bring discipline to the Israelites. He used them, but this time he's coming to them. It wouldn't be a far stretch to assume that Jonah also hated this city and all it stood for, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. The key verse again to Jonah is, I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. Now I want to quote again Pastor Chris from a couple of weeks ago because when he was speaking, it really grabbed me what he's saying because it confirms again what happened here in Jonah. If you remember, Pastor Chris was talking about the Old Testament God, how a lot of people think and believe that the Old Testament God of the Bible is a racist, genocidal maniac. That from the beginning is planned, but actually from the beginning, it's not true, but from the beginning, God's plan was to bless all ethnic groups and all nations of the world. In Genesis chapter 12, the promise to Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land and I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and to him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. God wants to bless everyone, every nation, every country, every ethnic group in the world. God's plan right from the very beginning was not to just to bless Abraham's descendants, the Jewish people, but through them to bless everyone. God loves every ethnic group he's made. Right here it says that in Genesis and also in Jonah. God is not a racist. And Chris reminded us that the mixed multitude that came up out of Egypt after all the plagues, God is not a racist. Even when God rescued the Israelites out of Egypt, a whole bunch of Egyptians and other nationalities came with them. 
Did you know that? There were a whole bunch of Egyptians and other nationalities living in Egypt in the time of Moses. And when they saw all the plagues and miracles God did, they said, we want to follow God too. So they hitched a ride. As you may remember, Chris saying, they kind of just slipped into the line. Come on, let's go. Let's slip in the line. Nobody will see us. They slipped in the line, hitched a ride, and left for Egypt. God saved them too. They also went through the Red Sea. They also had the fun of eating manna. Exodus chapter 12. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth. About 600,000 men, plus women and children. So you could, you could quadruple that number. 600,000 is about Winnipeg. So imagine four or five Winnipegs traveling together. A mixed multitude, a bunch of foreigners, also went up with them, slipped into line, and very much livestock. John chapter 3, verse 16. You got it? Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The world, everyone, even the Ninevites. And that means you. You. No one is exempt from that love. Not one of you. He loves you. He loves every one of those Ninevites. He loved Jonah. He loves you. We can read through Scripture and get a good idea of God's love for us and yet still miss it. But God taking on the form of a human, coming as Jesus, as Jesus came, he came personally to love people. From the multitudes to the one-on-one -on -one conversations, Jesus demonstrated, I love you. I care about you. Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. Well, let's carry on. Now, we've got to ask that question. What was Jonah's issue anyways? What are you thinking? Running away from God, thinking you can escape? What were you thinking? Well, we go to, back to chapter 3, verse 10. It says, When God saw that they, the Ninevites, had put a stop to their evil ways and had mercy on them and didn't carry out the destruction he had threatened. This change of plans upset Noah, and he became very angry. And so he complained to the Lord about it. Here's the reason that Jonah left. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. I knew how easily you could cancel your plans of destroying these people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive because nothing I predicted is going to happen. And the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Do you see the motive? He knew. 
He knew God's compassion and graciousness. He knew. Now, here's the problem. He knew past tense. It wasn't current. He had forgotten about God's character. He took God for granted, let alone what just happened to you, Jonah, a few days ago, a couple weeks ago. You were miraculously rescued, like poof, from a fish, one big fish. He had forgotten his own forgiveness. Does the set-free retreat ring any bells in your mind? Most of us have been through a set-free. If you haven't, you really, you really need to go. I, I, I can't stress it enough. You need to go to the next set-free. If you haven't been to a set-free in a number of years, you need to go again. But there's this inventory card that we sign and check off our sins. Confess it to God, deal with it, get rid of it. The problem is, is that what we like to do, and there's a, there's a truth to it, and a good part of it is say, okay, I've asked God to forgive me, so that's in the past. Paul even said in Philippians 3, forgetting the past, I press forward. So we tend to just push away everything we've ever done, everything we've ever been. But the problem is, is that it's so easily for us to forget where we've come from. We often refuse to remember our past sins or our past regrets. We think that if we're a good Christian, we're never going to remember that. We're going to push it away. And there's a problem with that. Pastor Ray even mentioned it last night at the prayer summit. A good question that all of us should ask. Where would we be without Jesus? What would we be? I shudder to think if I had not found Jesus at age 12, where would I be? If I didn't have the right people in my life, what kind of monster would I become? I know, you look at me and you're going, but he's such a great guy. <laughs> look at, uh, I'm jumping ahead here to... First Chronicles 17, King David said, What more can I say about the way you, God, have honored me? You know what I am really like. David said, You know what I am really like. Without Jesus in my life, I would be a horrible husband. I would be a horrible dad, a horrible grandpa. A horrible person. Pastor Ray would have fired me year. In fact, he would have never hired me. Because I know in my heart, this is the part where you all look in your own hearts. God really knows me. God really knows you. Where would I be? What kind of monster would I be without Jesus? I need Jesus. You need Jesus in your life and your heart. 
He has changed me. He has changed you. He has changed most of us, and he wants to continue to change all of us. Where would we be without him? And so then the problem, part of the problem with Jonah, and the question for us is, do you and I know God currently? Currently. Presently. When's the last time that we've had a conversation? When's the last time we've had those moments with God where we know him? Do we know God currently? The second issue, the second problem with Jonah is that he refused to pay his forgiveness forward. He refused to pay his forgiveness forward. He did not care about them. He actually, think it through, he actually wanted them dead. He had such a hatred for these Ninevites. He actually wanted them to burn in hell. He actually wanted to watch them burn, because that's what he did. Chapter 4, verse 5. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under and waited to see if anything would happen to the city. He went out to the east, got a good view, built a shelter for himself, and sat there. Brumpsed. Some of you know what that word means. Real grumpot. So angry. So filled of hatred. He wanted to watch them burn. And then he asked the question, how did he get that way? How did he get from being, assuming an amazing prophet, to this? After all he had experienced, to this? There's a path that we can take if we want to go there. It starts with unforgiveness. And if we don't deal with the unforgiveness, it morphs into bitterness. And if we don't deal with that root of bitterness, as Hebrews talks about, it grows into resentment. And then it grows into anger, and that's where Jonah was at the beginning of chapter 4. And it quickly went to hatred. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness, leads to resentment, leads to anger, and leads to hatred. Are there any people in your life that you need to forgive? It's a simple question. Are there people in your life, in my life, that we may have feelings and thoughts that we're holding against? Well, we may not necessarily wish them dead, we may not wish them ill necessarily, but we wouldn't necessarily feel sorry for them in their troubles. Interesting, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 9, it says, the Apostle John is writing, if anyone says I'm living in the light but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Verse 11, anyone who hates a Christian brother or sister is living and walking in darkness. He says it twice. Now, 
That's the, the, the subtle thing about contempt. It's the subtle thing about anger and hatred that we don't actually allow ourselves to even think that maybe that's a possibility. I, I find it fascinating. One of the, the, the major issues I work through is marriages. That's the main part of my job here, my ministry. I've officiated about 150 weddings over the many years. And I can say to you, honestly, that every single couple that I have married, I knew, I could see, I could feel, they were deeply in love with each other. I knew it. I could see it. Oh, they were nervous, but I could see it. And out of that 150, there's a number of them, I'm going to guess right now at about 10 of them, that I know of that are right now either separated or divorced. And the level of hatred that I have seen between couples blows my mind. And I'm going, how did they get there? How did they get there? Whether it's in a marriage, if it's in a family, if it's in working relationships, neighbors, anybody, where, how did it get there? And it started with that little seed of unforgiveness that grew into bitterness, that grew into resentment, that grew into anger, and then grew into hatred. And John says, you can't hate, because if you hate, you're actually not living in the light. Whoa. Here's the thought. Maybe the person that you may feel the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the resentment, the anger, and the hatred is actually you. It's yourself. Do you hold a little bit of contempt for yourself? I think that's part of Jonah's issue as well. Reading between the lines, understanding people. Sometimes we are the hardest on ourselves. If we let it go too long, we could end up hating ourselves. Withhold. Maybe it's our thoughts, our self-talk, the things we say under our breath. Look in the mirror and how we feel and look at ourselves. And that unforgiveness, something that we may have done a long time ago, and we can never, ever forgive ourselves. And that morphs and grows. And I've met with people over the years that have told me, I have held this. I have held this. A secret. No one knows. You're the first person I've ever told. And then I take them to Jesus because he's the second person they need to tell. And Jesus, what does it say? We know that he is a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. The very thing that holds us in here 
In the midst of it, Jesus still loves you and wants to forgive you and me and every single one of us from whatever we've done, wherever we've been. That's the whole message of Jonah. From the Ninevites to the sailors to Jonah himself, I just want to love you and have a relationship with you and care about you and love you and love you and love you and clean up and repent and work through. It's that simple. So let's go to the weekly challenge and an invitation. In the, uh, out in the lobbies, I just happened to found, I think it was written a year ago, our devotional guides is Jonah and Nahum. I encourage you, it's a five-day devotional. I encourage you to take one as you're walking out in the lobbies there by the doors. Grab one, or you can go online to our website and, uh, and under resources, you can get, get all our devotionals. And I encourage you for the next five days to work through Jonah. I want to encourage you as you're sitting here and before we sing our final song about God being that good, good father and how much he loves us. In 2017, I want you to express your desire to really know and experience God's love for yourself. I want you to know him personally that he's a gracious, compassionate God, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love. Oh, God has been so patient with Jonah, and he is so patient with you and me. To know his forgiveness, to know his love, to remember in the past how he's shown his love to you, to know it currently in your journal every day to write down one thing that God shows you how much he loves you. And to look ahead and ask God, to look ahead in 2017 every day, God, show me how gracious you are, how compassionate you are. The invitation is to ask God to forgive you, to invite him into your life. Maybe you're like one of those sailors here this morning. and Maybe you don't have a relationship with that one true God. You have a bunch of gods that you may run to, to try to meet your needs, but there is that one true God. Maybe you need to come to Jesus this morning and say, Jesus, you're the one. I see you. I trust you. I give you my life. Maybe you're like one of those Ninevites, people in Nineveh, and you have your own lifestyle going on. You're violent. You're angry. You hurt people. You do all kinds of things. The invitation, the invitation as God did there, is would you just repent? Would you just come to me? Would you see how gracious I am, how compassionate I am, how slow to anger I am, how filled with unfailing love I am? Maybe you're like Jonah. Maybe you're like Jonah, and you need to say, I need to deal with some forgiveness issues. I need to deal with some deep stuff in my heart because the way I'm going is going to end in my destruction. Forgive somebody from your heart to get rid of that root of bitterness. To forgive yourself. Look at this. Jonah chapter 4 verse 2. I know. I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God. Slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. That is incredible. 
That is the most important thing. I know you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. So as the service ends, I invite you to go to the prayer room, out those doors into the prayer room. People would love to pray with you. Maybe you need to make an appointment to have a personal ministry appointment with somebody during the week, staff or one of the volunteers that we have on our team, and to walk through some of the stuff of this message. So would you bow your heads in prayer, and would you pray with me? In your hearts as you're reflecting on this message, in your heart and in your mind, deep down in your soul, God, I'm asking by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would impact every one of us. God, you know our hearts. You know what part of the story we're a part of. And we're asking you, God, touch deep into our hearts. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move your love and your joy and your peace into our hearts. That you would give us the courage to deal with what we need to work on our hearts. But, but at the same time, God, that we would know you. You love us. You're so gracious to us. You're so compassionate. You're so slow to anger with us. And you're filled with unfailing love. God, thank you for your grace to the Ninevites. And God, I welcome and I thank you for your grace to me to me and your grace to each one of us. God, open up our hearts as we open up our hearts, as we draw near to you and you draw near to us. We want to sing to you now, God. You're such a good, good Father. You're such a great God. Would you meet us this year, God? We're looking forward to a great year with you. We trust you, we love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Southland Church. For more information or to download this and many other messages, please visit us at myselfland.com.